0: Welcome to Chronically Narnia.
1: Is this a mic test or are we just starting?
0: <laughs> Welcome to Chronically Narnia. This is chapter 7 of The Magician's Nephew.
1: What happened at the front door?
0: I don't know. You tell me.
1: Well, we're about to get to that, aren't we?
0: Okay. We are the Empress Jadis. And this is my co-host.
1: An angry English policeman.
0: Constable! (laughs) (laughs) I suppose. Uh, My name is Kristen.
1: And I'm Chris, actually.
0: And we will be discussing Chapter 7 of The Magician's Nephew, which is titled...
1: What Happened at the Front Door?
0: I don't know. What happened?
1: We'll get to that in the episode.
0: (laughs) There's no question mark in the chapter title.
1: Uh, okay, it's a declarative. I'll tell you what happened
0: at the front door.
1: What happened at the front door.
0: Alright. So, um... Welcome. Welcome.
1: Happy November.
0: Uh, Happy November. Hope you had a good Halloween. Um, Mm -hmm. some good candy.
1: Dressed up as your favorite uh, Narnia character.
0: Or, you know, just your favorite version of Jadis, whether she was a queen or an empress or a witch or a creature.
1: Uh, I was a penguin wearing a top hat. Not a pe- peacock. That was the bird I was trying to pick up. <laughs> that was just a non sequitur that had nothing to do with the rest of the episode. <laughs> so, <yes.
0: laughs> so you were Uncle Andrew. Okay, got it. Did yes. you have your little brandy snifter under your wing? <laughs> well,
1: I always do anyway. You know me.
0: All right, why don't you tell us what we're doing to talk about this chapter? What's our first thing?
1: Uh, so yeah, if this is your first time joining us, uh, for sure go back and listen to the first six episodes, or at least the ones that don't have a microphone crackling issue. Um, and what we do is we read through the Chronicles of Narnia, the entire thing in entirely the wrong order, chapter by chapter, and we analyze it and discuss it and make some fun jokes along the way. And what we usually do to start off with is to look and kind of go through the chapter, each one of us, and pick out a few sentences that we feel like summarize the chapter and tell the story in a pretty concise way. Uh, And so that's the first uh, thing we start with. So, Kristen, if you want to read your sentences that you think.
0: Sure. So, uh, here are my sentences. It must have been a terrible moment for the witch when she suddenly realized that her power of turning people into dust, which had been quite real in her own world, was not going to work in ours. But she did not lose her nerve, even for a second. And if possible, she must not be allowed to go rampaging about London either. If they did, he must rush out and get a hold of the witch and put on his yellow ring before she had a chance to get into the house. Diggory rushed out and joined the crowd.
1: Oh, okay. So you were you were going for a flow here. That's a very... That was very tight. Thank you. Well, you didn't jump around a lot. Thanks. Mm-hmm. I didn't do as well, but uh, I'm, I'm proud of you. And I'm impressed.
0: <laughs> Give us your sentences.
1: So here are my sentences. It must have been a terrible moment for the witch when she suddenly realized that her power of turning people into dust, which had been quite a, real in her world, was not going to work in ours. Crazy. Whatever happened, she must not be allowed to go rampaging through the house. Through the house? Oh. Nothing in this world will do much. Now then, said the policeman, turning to him, what's all this? We are the Empress Jadis.
0: Interesting. Okay. Uh. Okay. Um... I made a point in mine of trying to include the development of Diggory's plan.
1: Yes. Because
0: um, I feel like that's really the only plot that happens in this particular chapter. Like... Yeah. I wrote, I wrote myself a little bullet point summary of the plot. Uh-huh. And I said, Witch has no power, still scary. Leaves. Diggory plan. Queen returns with crowd. That was my. I mean, I mean, and then I tried to find a sentence that matched each one of those, like my my
1: bullet point plots. See, I feel like you're selling it short because a lot does happen in this chapter, from like a a lot happens, an action scene standpoint.
0: But plot movement: (sighs) the queen leaves. We she has no power. Mm -hmm. She leaves. Diggory makes a plan, and then the queen returns, and that's the plot.
1: Well, well I like, mean, Like,
0: it's great that someone stops by and drops off grapes for his mother, and that's that, a very this...
1: interesting conversation that we'll get to. But
0: it's um... like, hey, we're foreshadowing something.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I, hang on. <clears throat> I'm going to foreshadow
1: something. Well, he, Lewis even says this in yes, the chapter. Exactly. He basically says, I'm foreshadowing something. And
0: he, the narrator <laughs> does say that, but it's. Cut that out. But it's still. You know, not plot.
1: Mm-hmm. Like,
0: you you always n- conflate plot and action. The plot that happens in this is that Diggory makes a plan to try to take the queen back to the wood between the worlds. Uh, that's accurate. That's that's the entire plot of this chapter.
1: Yeah. I mean, we, we have other things happen. The, yeah. The Polly gets punished. Yeah, she <laughs> for gets sent to her room. Delinquency. Um... Aunt Letty gets thrown across the room, which is, you know,
0: but you know, ants <laughs> are
1: tough. And she recovers real quickly, which, yeah, you know, good job, Aunt Letty.
0: Ants are tough.
1: They, at least, they were in those days.
0: No, they still are.
1: <laughs> just because you're an ant doesn't mean you have to talk yourself up here.
0: I'm just saying that ants are tough.
1: Okay. Um, so let's talk about this chapter. There's a lot to discuss, even though there's not a lot of plot that happens. According to Kristen, there's a lot of fun discussion points. Um, so what happens first? Uh, we enter, uh, it's right after the last chapter. We end the last chapter when the very next beat is coming into the beginning of this one. Uh, Jadis comes in, uh, to the room where... Uncle Andrew and Letty are talking, and she's very cross. And she tries to use some magic because Aunt Letty starts yelling at her uh, about being drunk and a hussy. Um, and she tries to use some magic, and the magic doesn't work. But, Isn't that interesting?
0: Yes, the magic doesn't work. And the thing that I found interesting is that it doesn't set her back in her confidence that the magic doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Like. She clearly still has some kind of enchanting power over men, like Uncle Andrew. Uh-huh. And she clearly still has physical power, because after this, she picks up Aunt Letty and throws her across the room. Yes. So she's still strong and authoritative and still has some kind of enchanting ability over um, fools. And then... She, at the same time, is not able to do magic, which is her initial resort, and it doesn't set her back, which finds, I find really weird, because it says, like, it must have been a terrible moment for her, uh-huh. but the next sentence is that she didn't lose her nerve for a second. Like, she tries to do magic, it doesn't work, and she's just like, well, I'm going to pick you up and throw you across the room instead. Yeah. Like, she doesn't even, like, it's weird to me that a character who has been presented to us as someone who fights, you know, like, with magic in this way of, like, using the deplorable word on her own world and things like that. Like, she has not been phased by not being able to use magic. We have Empress Jadis now. That's another thing. This is a new term that she's coined for herself. But we have um, Jadis as a character who fought in a war with her sister qu- without magic, air quotes, until her sister broke the pact and then she they used magic. Yeah. But that in and of itself like shows that Jadis is used to a combat without magic, mm-hmm. but it still doesn't makes sense to me that she's just like she's not phased by this at all it doesn't make sense
1: yeah i i I see where you're coming from and it, it is kind of an interesting moment i think it speaks to her her strength of will as a character uh and i do think it's interesting to note that um you i'm not sure uh you you keep saying that this enchanting effect she has is magical in nature and i'm not sure it is Because that's like the only example that we have of her magic still working in this world. But at the same time, Diggory's, you know, an impressionable young lad and Uncle Andrew's uh, an old fool. And, you know, she doesn't have any powers beyond those two that we've seen so far. So I'm not sure I'd be willing to say that she has some sort of magical enchanting
0: See, and then I think as we get closer to the end of the chapter and she's jumped onto the horse's back and is whispering into its ear. Yeah. That that's another example of her using an enchantment.
1: That's possible. So, and that kind of throws a wrench in my whole theory. Uh, where, where my idea was maybe her magic does work in this world, but for some reason the, the verbal magic doesn't. You know, these these magical words that she speaks that sound like some horrible guttural language. Uh, those don't work but if at the end of the chapter she's using magic to ensorcel the horse and is speaking something then it does so why doesn't her blasty magic work is the question
0: well because there's you know no strong language in Aunt Letty's house so <laughs> <laughs> there you go it took me a while to figure that one out uh, when when she said when yeah Took me a minute to figure that out when the witch was like, I will blast you. And Uh Letty was like, no strong language, young woman. Uh I was like, what? And I was like, oh, yeah, blast, blast and botheration. Blast is a strong language word in this time frame. Uh And that, uh, yeah, that one was, (laughs) took me a minute. Also, for the whole rest of the chapter, any time that he uses the word blast, he puts it in quotes to make sure that it's clear that this is not meant as a strong language word.
1: Apparently not. Um, So then, uh, I mean, she gets accused of being drunk, Jadis does, by Letty, and then Jadis just throws Letty across the room. Mm -hmm. Uh, And, you know, apparently...
0: This is a great day for the serving staff. They'd never had the day with such excitement. <sighs> the housemaid is just enjoying every minute of this yep
1: wow There's, i
0: I loved it. Yeah, i you're loved feeling the plight of the working so people
1: hard um yeah and and Aunt Letty was tough. she's a tough old broad and isn't uh that look on Kristen's face at lesser don't get to see. Um, but she gets thrown across the room, is not injured or really even phased by this, and she doesn't, like, go chase after this woman. She's just like, well, let's have lunch now, which is an interesting recovery from that situation. She um, had to
0: use some salt volatile, the smelling salts.
1: All right, so that was my first thing that I was going to interject a dictionary definition of because I was not familiar with this, uh, this term, and it was in italics. Yeah. Uh, so it's smelling salts. Mm-hmm. Okay.
0: Yes, uh, salt is of course salt, uh-huh. um, and it's in italics because it's a foreign language word. Uh-huh. That's how English grammar works in writing. Uh-huh. And yes, uh, it's just smelling salts.
1: All right, now we know. Yeah, we don't have to have an aside. Cool. Um, so this happens, and then we kind of get inside Diggory's head a little bit for a while. Um, so, Jadis leaves this scene. Jadis and Andrew are just gone for most of this chapter. They leave the house. And then, most of the rest of it is perspective from Diggory and the things he's thinking and feeling. Uh, and his perspective, and I feel like we've got a lot of good internal character development for Diggory here. Um, because he has a, he has like a whole monologue here. Or, not necessarily a monologue, but like a, you know, panicked ranting. But still... He does have more dialogue here than I think he does in any of the previous chapters. So let's talk about what happens with Diggory for a second.
0: All right, so Diggory is trying to come up with a plan here. He's thinking about what it means, like, that he's definitely feeling completely helpless. Like, there's, he has two pence to his name. He's got no way of chasing after her. He feels helpless. He just has to wait and hope that they come back. And his only plan is to try to take her back to the wood between the worlds mm-hmm. and hope that her weakening in that world was real and not just the shock of her leaving her own world. Yeah, um, He just is trying desperately to come up with a plan while feeling completely helpless and just sits by the door watching and waiting and every sound that he hears, he thinks might be them coming back. And while he's sitting there, someone comes and drops off grapes for his mom. Um, Aunt Letty makes a comment about fruit from the land of youth. Oh,
1: which hey, look, would here's be... some foreshadowing. Maybe.
0: Mm. I, I wouldn't know. It's not like the author came right out <laughs> and said that it was foreshadowing. not,
1: not at all. So that's the thing that happens in this chapter. How do you feel about that? I as don't. A...
0: <laughs> as a writing style, I hate that.
1: Uh
0: huh. Um, but I do feel like it is a motivation. It's just a, another reminder, as we have like met Diggory in the midst of him feeling like he's losing his mother. This is how he met Polly. This is how they started their friendship. Uh huh. Like this is just another motivation that we're giving to Diggory because we brought his mother back up as a motivation to get the witch out of the house before she could cause some kind of fear or trauma to uh, Mrs. Kirk.
1: Yeah, I I find it interesting that we're now seven chapters in. Uh, We are roughly halfway through this book. It has 15 chapters. We're arguably halfway Diggory's mother still isn't a character. Yes, she is solely a motivation. She is She is just a plot point. Uh, and I don't want to say an object, but you know she's not a character. We still have not even seen her, let alone heard from her or spoken to her or anything. Which I find is interesting. And this chapter would have been a good place to do that. Because they're like, oh, we're taking lunch to Diggory's mother. And then uh, Diggory and Aunt Letty are having lunch. Which I think also worth noting they are having lunch separately.
0: From his mother? Yeah. Yes.
1: It's like we're gonna take mom lunch and then we're gonna go have lunch somewhere else. Which is intriguing to me.
0: I mean it makes sense because mom is bedridden. Yes. They're not gonna bring a table into mom's room to sit and eat lunch with her. She's having lunch in bed. Uh huh. And then they're going to have lunch at the table.
1: I suppose so. It just, it just seems weird, too.
0: Do you know uh, what seemed
1: weird to me? What's that?
0: They took lunch to Diggory's
1: mom, but
0: Polly was late to dinner.
1: Hmm. There's some, some, some timey-wimey stuff going on here. No, actually, because <laughs> I
0: did some research.
1: Oh, <clears throat> Kristen did research. What?
0: Today on Research with Kristen... Uh, linguistically in this time frame the term dinner uh, was used to refer to the largest meal of the day whether that was the second meal or the midday meal or the evening meal it didn't actually matter lunch was a general term for a meal in the midday but dinner was the term for the largest meal in the day so saying that Polly was late for dinner means that Polly was late for her big meal of the day. And the fact that Diggory and his aunt were having lunch means that her big meal was midday meal. Still same time frame. That was
1: very informative, Kristen. Thank you. Of course. (laughs)
0: um, Yes, so dinner equals big meal. And she had all of the best parts taken out.
1: Apparently. I'm not sure what that means, but whatever the best parts of dinner are, I guess. D- dessert? Is that included in dinner? I don't know. Can we have a semantics argument here about what dinner includes, really? Um, I don't know, but apparently we can have a semantics argument about what it means. <laughs> we can. All right, so we, we cut away to, uh, to figure out what Polly is doing. The answer is not a lot in this chapter. She's getting punished and being in bed. But
0: she's also not answering any questions untruthfully. They were in a wood, and I suppose it was in a kind of park, and she was in, you know, ponds and got her feet wet.
1: She's not lying, uh, which is fun.
0: I find it interesting that they have not at any point discussed the water going with them. They jumped into the ponds. Mm Mm-hmm. And showed up in another world, and it didn't say anything about them having wet feet, or wet socks, or wet clothes at all, until until Polly went home and got in trouble for having wet shoes.
1: Yeah. So, some sort of mystical otherworldly water has come with them. It's, in some sense, it's real water.
0: Yeah I mean clearly in some sense it's real water but it's also just like weird because it hasn't been mentioned before and this is the they came out of a pond into the world or they got to the wood between the worlds they went into a pond to charn they came out of the pond from charn and then they went into the pond to come home yeah twice Uh huh. so like they've now interacted with these ponds on like four separate occasions and this is the first time that we've mentioned that their feet stay wet yeah Anyway, that's I just felt like that was inconsistent. Huh.
1: A little bit, possibly. Um, so after that, we have this whole plan that Diggory comes up with, um, where his whole idea is, you know, maybe let's get the ring on her somehow, and we'll drag her back. And I don't really think he has a plan beyond that, other than trying to leave her there. Uh, that's that's the with the guinea pigs. <laughs> And that's the whole idea, which I mean, very, very bold plan of him, but I guess doable since we we figured out how the rings work, and all you have to do is be touching someone. So could could easily be done, but still very brave of him. i'll I'll throw that in there. Um, so here's a question. we the last the last very chaotic scene in this chapter is when Jadis and a whole host of other people come back. Why does Jadis come back to the house?
0: We don't, I, I mean, as far as the content of this chapter goes, we have no way of knowing
1: that. Yeah, I just, speculation. I I,
0: I don't know, Okay. as previously stated. <laughs> um, it's possible that she may be trying to use Uncle Andrew's home as a palace or a throne of power, since it's the place that she knows right now. It's the only place that she knows of that she could possibly return to in order to sit down. Yeah. Um. They've gone out, and she has stolen thousands of pounds worth of jewelry, mm-hmm. and and horses, and stolen a hansom
1: and a hansom. So let's let's get into a dictionary definition because I knew out of context this was some sort of. A uh, carriage or chariot type thing, but we're going to say exactly what this is. So taking a trip to Dictionary Land, for our listeners who aren't aware, and Kristen was aware, so I'm not informing her, a handsome is a two-wheeled horse-drawn carriage accommodating two inside with the driver seated behind. So not in your, your traditional carriage, which you might imagine, where you have the horses, then you have the driver in front, and then behind you have people seated. This is kind of the reverse of that, where the driver is kind of on the other side of the people that are, that are sitting right behind the horses. So, fun fun distinction. Look
0: up a picture.
1: Yeah. Anyway, um, so Jadis comes back... So we have this entire scene of chaos that unfolds in the street where Jadis comes back and crashes a carriage into a lamppost.
0: In the street? Or was it at the front door?
1: Well, you know. And she comes back, crashes this carriage into a lamppost. Uh, The horses get all tied up in the rigging. One horse gets all tied up in the rigging. And she is being chased by dozens of people. This is a whole scene that emerges uh, on the streets of London. Uh... Anything you want to say about this?
0: Um, well, I feel like you kind of summed it up well, where you felt like this was the moment where C.S. Lewis remembered that he was writing a children's book. And this is very much the uh, everyone's falling down and tripping on each other. And and it's the the action that's built up is all very comical
1: and people are shouting things and somebody's got a black eye and the butcher boy is like you need to put a beefsteak on that eye that's what it needs that's my attempt at a uh, young british boy in the victorian era <laughs> <sighs> that's what that accent was uh and all these things and you have a policeman and you have the jewelry store owner yelling about things and the cabbie the cabbie and they all have very funny accents which are written down very cockney kind of british accents that are very heavily abbreviated uh governor lots of lots of governor yeah and, and uh the the guy who has the Officer. horses the the cabbie who's like she's she's exciting them
0: <sighs> i found that interesting because when i saw exciting uh-huh. with just exciting with a h at the beginning what i read that as first was hexing
1: uh-huh me too and
0: the way that she is leaning into the horse's ear and whispering into the horse's ear and riling it up uh-huh it, i i actually just kind of thought on on paper that that seemed to be a very um interesting tell and that's yeah. part of why i felt like she was enchanting yeah or ensorceling the horse in some way
1: it's possible. I don't know anything about horses. Maybe whispering in their ears just aggravates them regardless of who you are. According but to the book,
0: Diggory knows some things about horses. The Diggory knows
1: some things about horses.
0: And the way that he described it, what she was telling the horse was aggravating it as opposed to calming it down. So that was an action that should have calmed it, but it was getting more excited. Yeah. Excited.
1: Uh-huh. And uh, we almost call a policeman because they're poli- the, the most important policeman. There are several <laughs> uh, is is telling her to you can get off the horse. And this is this is a kind of a fun, uh, angry feminist rant moment from Kristen that I was going to bring up uh, because the policeman shows up and is just like, who's in charge of this young woman?
0: Um, you're wrong. Oh, you're, no, that's not what happened. OK, we sh- the policeman shows up and a, a, a fat man cries out. That's the woman. That's the woman. Do your duty, constable. She stole from me mm-hmm. and then gave me a black eye. And then we have, you know, someone chiming in from the crowd being like, beautiful black eye. And we have the kid being like, here's the beefsteak that you need for that. But what the policeman says uh, now, then said the most important of the policemen. what's all this here? Yes. That's what he says.
1: And then? And
0: then the fat man says, I tell you she, and then someone else called out, don't let the old cove in the cab get away. He put her up to it. So this never came from the policeman. Mm-hmm. Someone accused Uncle Andrew of putting Jadis up to robbing the jewelry store. Mm-hmm. And that's when... um. The policeman turns to Uncle Andrew and says, "Now then, what's all this?" The exact same question. Mm-hmm. And then we talk um, to Uncle Andrew as if he is the instigator of it, but that's what was accused. That's what was put before the policeman. So I, I disagree with you about this.
1: The the specifically the quote is. Now attend, Now you attend to me, if you please, said the policeman, taking out a very large notebook and a very small pencil. It's a comical image. Again, we're putting in lots of jokes in this, in this uh, section of the chapter. Are you in charge of that there, young woman?
0: But after yeah. you're...
1: I, I get you. Okay. We can cut this entire section out because I am baseless and this is pointless. Okay.
0: You're trying to get a rant okay. out of me. I'm trying to
1: pad this because we're only at 28 minutes and we need to <laughs> lengthen the episode. We need to talk about something.
0: I don't feel like there's a lot to say. I mean...
1: Okay. So we're cutting out the last five minutes of the episode.
0: No, I disagree.
1: <laughs> okay. So the we have this whole scene, which I've said many, many times. I need to come up with a new phrase to say. Uh, where we have all these people rushing down the street. And we almost kill a policeman because uh, the ensorcelled horse almost kicks him to death. But he backs up the last minute. And, um, Diggory knows a lot about horses, and the guy who owns the horse is like his father was a cavalry charger in the war. Uh, yeah. Apparently the horse's name is Strawberry, for anybody who cares about this information. You know, very, very scary, you know, war horse named Strawberry. (laughs) That's fantastic.
0: Well, once upon a time, a friend of mine named John called my friend Andrea an angry strawberry because her face was red when she was angry hmm. and that's what it made me think of <laughs> hi Andrea hi
1: just a shout out to one of our uh, 13 listeners uh and then I guess, I don't know, the only the only other point of note uh, running down the chapter is this very last line. It says, we are the Empress Jadis, and she's got a new title now.
0: Yes, and so. she has switched to using the royal, royal we, we out of nowhere. She has yeah. not previously used the royal we in any way, even when she was talking as Queen yes. of Charn about her sister and their war and their everything. Like She has never referred to anybody with the royal we Until this moment when she declares herself empress. And that is the first time that she is using the term empress. So Mm -hmm. we've gone from her being a queen to being a witch to being a creature to being a young woman and a hussy. And now she is empress. Yes.
1: She's got a lot of titles. Yes. No animal mentions in this other than like the very real horse.
0: Yes, this, um, she is not referred to as a creature in any way. She is. It is constantly referenced how skilled she must be and how balanced she must be because she rode the handsome back up standing
1: uh-huh.
0: and had it up on one wheel taking the corner and stayed standing successfully. Yeah, and very much balanced herself on that. And then jumped onto the horse mm-hmm. and whispered into the horse's ear. And then apparently, while everyone was distracted with Uncle Andrew, pulled out a knife and cut the horse free from the hansom. Yep. And then we have her climbing back up onto the horse and declaring herself
1: empress. And, and picture all this while we have this, you know, seven foot tall woman who's wearing all this, you know, regal dress, regalia, and apparently several pounds of jewelry by this point that she's stolen. And so she's doing all these flips and you wild stuff. You do styles. realize that the
0: British currency is
1: the pound, yes. right? Uh, I meant the weight. Okay. Because she, the guy's like, she's stolen thousands of pounds worth of jewelry. So I'm assuming she has a lot of stuff. That could be one necklace, <laughs> Chris. Okay. Well, I mean, but we're talking about Jadis. Yes. I, I highly doubt she'd just take one necklace. She doesn't seem like the minimalist type of person. Uh, but yeah, she's this huge woman. She's wearing this big flowy dress and lots of jewelry and she's doing crazy flips and stunts and stuff.
0: Also, so. we are talking about the currency exchange we discussed last time, which means that that was uh, hundreds of thousands of dollars <laughs> worth yep. of jewelry. So yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, she's, she's riding that handsome up on one wheel, jumping <sighs> onto the horse from the handsome and yeah, no.
1: Yeah. She's
0: so, doing some crazy stunts.
1: Pretty wild scene. Um, in order
0: to declare herself Empress.
1: We are the Empress. Uh, and I do have to correct myself here. We mentioned that there was no animal references or allegories, but she does call the cabbie dog. Yes. So that's uh, that's a thing. We have dogs now. Uh, officially in the universe, dogs.
0: Dogs exist.
1: <laughs> uh, so the only other thing I wanted to touch on before we go and rewrite the chapter Is I I keep bringing it up, but I wanted to have a discussion about it. uh, Where the narrator, and I still don't know who the narrator of these books is, you know, and you're excited about this reveal. I don't, but the narrator is like, I'm going to mention something now which isn't important, but becomes important later. And this is this conversation between Aunt Letty and whoever comes to visit Aunt Letty to bring the grapes and what Diggory comes away with from that because this is an interesting little aside in the chapter uh and so we have this woman who comes to visit aunt letty to bring grapes because apparently this is a thing you do in victorian london she's like here's some grapes brought them by um what lovely grapes came Aunt letty's voice i'm sure if anything could do her good these would but poor dear little mabel and i feel like this is the first time that we figure out what degre's mother's name is
0: yes mabel kirk
1: yes and I believe this is also the first chapter that Diggory's last full name is mentioned.
0: Or... Um, I think we had Kirk mentioned previously, but okay. either way. This now confirms for people who are reading the books in the correct order yes. that Diggory Kirk is either the same person or is related to Professor Kirk that the children go to the country to visit when they end up in the wardrobe going to Narnia. Something like that. So this, I mean, if this is the first mention of the name Kirk, this is also the first connection Uh to the other Narnia books. Yeah. For people who are reading them in the correct order.
1: Yep. (laughs) Um, And then she continues, I'm afraid it would need fruit from the land of youth to help her now. Nothing in this world would do much. And this is italicized. Uh in there, then they both lowered their voices and said a lot more that he could not hear, which was the most interesting line there for me. Uh, so, does does Aunt Letty know some things that she's not letting on about?
0: So the most you think the most interesting part is that they say things he doesn't hear.
1: Yeah, which I read that and I was just like, what's being concealed here? Uh, does it, does Aunt Letty know something more about what Andrew has been doing than she lets on?
0: I don't think it has to do with what Andrew's doing. I think it has to do with the condition of his mother. Yeah. That his mother is much worse off than he knows. Possibly. But he clearly suspects.
1: Yeah. Uh, and then we have this whole little like frenzied string of thoughts from Diggory where he's just like, this gives me an idea and I could go back and this must connect to hundreds of worlds. And somewhere, there must be something that can help my mother. And, like, as misguided as this is, it's a sweet moment. Or this is Diggory's uh, thing that he gets super excited about, despite the impossibility of such a task. Uh, but but we it is specifically mentioned as foreshadowing, so I'm assuming this is a plot point that comes up later. This this thought that Diggory has.
0: Well, he also basically puts his hand in his pocket in order to go back forgetting completely about what's going on right now. Like, even just the mention of a possible cure for his mother, like, the mention of it has
1: ensorcelled him, if you will. Uh-huh. Diggory is easily ensorcelled, is basically <laughs> what we're getting at here. Uh, he's, he's like Strawberry the horse. All right, Um. so before we go on to do our thing where we remix the chapter is there anything else you want to say about it
0: well i mean clearly aunt letty was visited by jack the ripper so
1: okay obviously <laughs> there. all right um to
0: to clarify there is some theory out there that jack the ripper used grapes to uh lure in his victims but there's no evidence of that so mm-hmm. anyway
1: oh one last bit and <laughs> in, in multiple places, to bring up a reference that we've made in previous episodes, uh, this chapter passes the Bechdel test, where we have two named female characters. Who What's the name about of something. the other character? Uh, well, the first conversation happens between Aunt Letty and Jadis, where they have an argument Okay. Uh, about her being in the house, and the second uh, is not a named female character, but uh-huh. there is...
0: And the third is also not a named female character, because the second is with the servant, and she tells her to go get the police... Uh-huh. And then the third is with an unnamed character about grapes. Oh,
1: I was just trying to throw that in there since it's a running theme in our it podcast. It is,
0: but you are correct.
1: Uh-huh.
0: Uh, Jadis and um, Jadis and Aunt Letty do have an argument. And, uh-huh. you know, Aunt Letty gets thrown across the room. Yeah. So, yes, hooray.
1: Huzzah. All right. So since you went and did your, your chapter summary first, I guess I'll go ahead and do my, my remix. And for the new listeners, this is the time where we try to rewrite the chapter and tell our own story using the words, the specifically that are in the chapter. We don't add our own stuff. We just kind of pick out things we like, and I usually try to come up with a theme for it beforehand. Uh, so I'll go ahead and read. And I, I broke the rules a little bit this time, and I did six sentences. So No. <laughs> um, I know. That's X, okay. It's not. Uh-huh. It's not. So we're starting now. She's loose in London. If someone could give me a small glass of brandy. I thought as much. The woman is drunk. Drunk! That she has, governor, said one of the crowd. Windows shot up in all the houses of the street, and a housemaid or butler appeared at every front door. They wanted to see the fun. Okay,
0: okay. But still, it's too many sentences.
1: <laughs> I I mean, technically, the sentence five and six are in the same passage. So it has still trying two to,
0: separate sentences. It
1: is still two many. I'm sorry. All right.
0: So you have a fun story about a drunk lady.
1: Yeah. I just thought, you know. Me yeah. too. This is a lighthearted chapter. Let
0: me tell you my fun okay. story about a drunk lady. Uh-huh. The handsome crashed into the lamppost and shattered into several pieces. Oh, Master Diggory," said the housemaid, who was really having a wonderful day. "I think Miss Ketterly's hurt herself somehow. <laughs> the woman is drunk." Now then," said the most important of the policemen. "What's all this here? Do your duty, constable."
1: You're killing it with the sentences today. <laughs> you you did a really good job of putting that together too. Uh, I feel I feel like mine is trying to trash now. <laughs> I'm glad I didn't go first, um, but I think it's interesting that we both came up with a story about a drunk lady, yeah, me too uh-huh. <laughs> uh in mine i was I was picturing Jadis as the drunk lady and just carrying that thread through where Letty accuses her of being drunk at first and then be, what if she was drunk? And this is all just you know a misunderstanding, which is uh- really <laughs> would
0: would explain her not being phased by her. Lack of, I mean, in a way, she is drunk on power. Like, uh-huh. that is very much a good uh, illustration for what is going on with her being like, I am all powerful and I don't have magic, but I still have the authority and the right to take on the title of empress. Apparently. Um. So, yeah, she's very much drunk on power, and I think, I, I think that that's a good take of like we've started with this accusation that she's drunk and then she's riding a hansom, standing up roll ripping around the corner pounding into a lamp she's drifting it yeah
1: she's drifting a handsome She's
0: drifting a handsome Uh right into a (laughs)
1: lamppost and then but and your story aunt letty is the drunk one who's like stolen a carriage and crashed it (laughs) yep
0: there was just, there was an accident. She's uh-huh. drunk. She must have hurt herself somehow, Master degree.
1: She's got kind of to blow off the steam of living with Uncle Andrew for so long. <laughs> so. All right, that that was fun. We're we're on the same wavelength here.
0: Yeah. But I do like what yours does to inform, because I hadn't thought about Jadis as being drunk on power. Mm. And I think that that's um, a good addition, a good note on kind of how she is approaching this situation.
1: Which, yeah, that's I mean, that's a that's a, a good final thought I guess, is that uh, Jadis is kind of, I don't want to say delusional in this chapter, but delusional because she realizes she doesn't have the power anymore, but still thinks that she can take over the world. And I, I don't know how she's going to accomplish that when she doesn't have her magic. Because there's almost only so much one very strong woman can do. So don't know what her Excuse plan really... Excuse me. <laughs>
0: There's only so much any strong person can do. Yeah, and we know that it just takes one strong person to run for president or, uh-huh. you know, create the Nazi German state.
1: Uh huh.
0: So don't don't act like because she's a woman. Yeah,
1: I know. I just I just feel that like it her... makes
0: any difference whatsoever about what her determination to control the whole world and. Yeah.
1: Her plan necessarily got a lot more complicated, though, is what I'm saying. There's more steps now. She can't just go in and blast Parliament. All right, so um, in our last segment, um, this is one that I love and Kristen hates. We will look at the chapter as a whole and give it a rating uh, to, to see how effectively it conveyed its message and did what it set out to do. Um, and every time we change our rating system, and it doesn't matter to Kristen because she does whatever she wants... Um, <laughs> But in this chapter, uh... You should rate it an Angry Strawberries. <laughs> I mean, Angry Strawberries is good. I was, uh... Or Broken lamps. I, I was thinking out of Beefsteaks. Oh, Beefsteaks. <laughs> okay, okay. Um, and so here here are my my sum-up, my final thoughts. I think it's very fun. Like I, I mentioned to Kristen before starting the podcast... Uh, I feel like this is the chapter where Lewis remembered he was writing a children's book and was like, oh, I need to throw some amusing things in here after we just, you know, went through the planet where, you know, everybody got genocided and <laughs> we have all this sadness about Diggory's mom. And yeah, we have a
0: dying mother. Tragedy. We have genocide. And, you know, we
1: should have uh, should...
0: some crash and everybody yeah. yell at each other.
1: Yeah, we should have some fun in here. And so... Uh, I I feel like this is a fun change of pace and a good way to break up the storyline so far because it's kind of been going downhill in the, you know, kind of hopelessness scale. Um, And this is a fun way to liven it up a little bit. A lot of great, great scenes. Aunt Letty getting thrown across the room. Uncle Andrew gets stuck inside of a hat and makes fun noises. Um the policeman is yelling at people, and he almost gets kicked by a horse. There's a very cockney cabbie who's just like, He's the son of a war horse, isn't he? Uh, a oh, huffices. Huffices. War horse. Uh, And she's exciting them. Uh, and this is, we have a lot of fun. Even though we don't have a lot of plot, though there is obviously the foreshadowing that happens, and there's Diggory's rants, and Diggory you know, has, some, has some character development. So overall, gonna say four beefsteaks out of five. okay. So That's really fair. fun. Like I'll, I'll, I'm taking off a beefsteak because I do feel like more plot could have happened. Uh, maybe, maybe, maybe. I not. have
0: convinced you.
1: Uh huh. You're so persuasive. Um, you you must be ensorceling me. I must. <laughs> uh, there you go. Four four beefsteaks.
0: All right. Fair enough.
1: Final thoughts, Krista.
0: I give it all the best parts of dinner that Polly didn't get. I think it was great.
1: But what if one of those was a beefsteak? You were maybe playing into my hand a little bit.
0: Well, I'm on the same food food plate <laughs> with you. Um, I do also appreciate that this chapter, the narrator took a moment to just be like, you know, he wondered what Polly was doing, but you don't have to. I'm going to tell ya. <laughs> And then jumps over to Polly's, being like, "Oh yeah, she's uh, she's just sitting in her room waiting for her two hours to to go by." And I would have preferred to be in Polly's position because she could just lay in bed and not worry about anything. And Diggory had to jump at every sound that he heard on the street because it might be her, and he could go help her. Yeah, you know, help her get out of this world.
1: Yep help show her the front door yeah all right Ah, show
0: her the door
1: (laughs) anyway so
0: I had one other thing that I wanted to ask you yes there's a word in quotes on this book in this I have (laughs) one other thing I wanted to ask you yes there's a word in quotes as Diggory is trying to figure out how to get at her Uh uh-huh around through the crowd or around the other side of her or whatever Yes. And it says the area in front of the house, with quotes around the word area. Okay. Because the house had a basement. As if that's supposed to mean something to us today. Did you take a moment to look up a picture of a Victorian house in London? I did
1: not, but I bet you did. I did. (laughs) Good, God.
0: Um. So, in... In New York, some of the neighborhoods are set up this way where there's, like, the front stair that goes up to the front door. Yeah. And if you look down toward the sidewalk, there will be, like, a window for the basement level. Yes. I've seen this. And there'll be some kind of, like, fencing around that. Yes. That's what it's talking about. Okay. So a lot of these houses in Victorian London, if you look up pictures of them will have a main walk-up to the front door and a gated, basically, hole next to that that goes down to the basement windows. Yes. And that is the area. So, basically, the feet of the horse are on the sidewalk. Uh-huh. So, the, the back feet of the horse are on the sidewalk right next to that gate. Mm. So, if he comes out the front door, he has to either, like, push through the crowd or try to get between the horse and that gate to get around to the other side of her to grab her. Yes. Because he's trying to figure out how to touch her while touching his ring.
1: I see. Well, thank you for doing the research. I was really confused. Yeah. Kristen and I both grew up in areas that don't have basements uh, very commonly anywhere. So we're, we're not familiar with this system.
0: Yes. <laughs> what are basements?
1: <laughs> you mean you can go under the ground?
0: It, and it doesn't <laughs> flood?
1: Or collapse? Or
0: collapse? <laughs> All
1: right. Um, so do you want to, you want to throw out our social medias here?
0: Thank you so much for listening today. Uh, you can follow us at chronically podcast on Facebook and Instagram and at chronically pod on Twitter, or you can email us at chronicallypodcast@gmail.com. at gmail.com. We are on Apple podcasts, Spotify and Google music Uh, if any of those is more readily accessible for you. Feel free to rate and review us. And...
1: We'll see you next week for Chapter 8, which is the fight at the lamppost. Ooh. There's going to be a battle.
0: As long as she doesn't throw anyone across the room, I think we'll be okay. Oh,
1: I bet she will.
0: See ya. See ya. that was joke number one. We may discontinue further jokes.
1: Oh, we won't do that. Or at least I won't. Okay. But. Entire huge scene of chaos.
0: It's a really big fly and I thought it was a spider. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. It's
1: gonna be lot if it starts buzzing. It will be. Okay. Ooh, one last bit. Uh, the, this you chapter- scared me. Sorry.